Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Agent Missional Podcast. And today is one of our bonus episodes, our spotlight on a specific culture. Today, we're going to be talking about Filipino culture. We got a special guest today, Dr. Neri Santos. So let's get right into it. Right, Dr. Neri Santos. Yes, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on. How are you doing? Good. Great to be here. Thanks for yes. having me. So, I, I I heard and I heard this, and you got to confirm if it's true. You have two PhDs, one in New Testament and then one in Philippine studies. Yes, yes. So I do have to ask you. It's the burning question because you have two doctorates. Have you tried Jolly Bees in Toronto? <laughs> and is it good? <laughs> we need the real expert opinion here. Oh, yeah. The Jalebi in Toronto. And also there's another Jalebi now in Mississauga. Yes. And there's a Jalebi in Winnipeg. Really? Yeah, really? so there'll be more. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah, so the Jalebi in Scarborough, in Toronto, I tasted that because a relative lined up for two hours <laughs> yep. to do that. They got a white tent outside. People oh, yeah. waiting a long yeah. time. Yeah. A white tent. Yes. And, okay. and they're given... Just a limited amount that they can buy. Yeah. Oh. $60. Whoa, really? Yeah, I went once too. Oh, yeah. you did? Wow. Yeah, it's pretty tasty. It was my first time trying it out. And people were saying, yeah, like this is kind of a staple in the Philippines or yes. staple in Asia. And I was like, I got to try this out. And it's pretty tasty. I got to say. Pretty it good. is. Did it you is. try the Malo Halo or? Yeah, Halo Halo. Halo Halo. Yes. Halo Halo? No, I didn't try. It's got milk in it. I can't. Do oh, that. yeah. I know. <laughs> the interesting thing is when, when you eat a Jalebi, there's rice that goes with the chicken, mm. which is really a very good way to see culture in something that you don't expect to have rice with chicken. Yeah. yeah. It's so. fast food. You yeah. got rice. Yeah. You got spaghetti. Sweet spaghetti. Sweet spaghetti. Yeah, fried chicken. Not my thing, man. And, and <laughs> peach mango pie. That's right. That oh, is that really yeah. something to behold. I think it was touched by the hand of God. Even before, even before we had Jollibee here, when my wife would go back to the Philippines from Canada, my daughter would order that. Please buy peach mango. Yes, it's so good. Now she can get it here. If she right. waits two hours. But, but, but is there a difference? Is it better in the Philippines? Like, actually, I tried Jollibee's first time in the Philippines. Oh, yes. Yeah, but is it better in the Philippines than here or you know like what's better i think they they preserve the same okay flavor and i think that's the good thing about interesting it. yeah i know shu you're really excited that chick-fil-a is going to come to toronto oh you have yeah. such a big passion for chick-fil-a i need some christian chicken you need here, some man. christian chicken <laughs> <It's just> like... <clears throat> yes all right so dr neri santos so you've not only been a pastor and a leader in in a lot of different ministry contexts you yourself have been in canada for a long time so what does that mean for you? What does it mean for you to be a Filipino and a Canadian at the same time? Very good question. I need to be comfortable in that hyphenated identity. Mm, okay. It's not that I will lose my being Filipino, nor should I simply be Canadian. In fact, what I've been reading in preparation for my class is that it's like I'm in the in-between. I am not truly 
Filipino in the sense that I'm completely Filipino now. Okay. Nor am I to be completely Canadian, but I'm authentically Filipino, and I can be authentically Canadian. Okay. So it's really living in that tension to appreciate that I have both identities now. Sure. Somebody calls it between and betwixt. So the hybridity concept of being both at the same time. Nice. And what are some of the unique characteristics you've noticed that have been able to kind of blend together? Like, you know, you talk about two, you know, two unique identities and not being either or, but being authentically both. Mm -hmm. So what are some of those characteristics? I think one that comes to my mind first is the idea that Filipinos like doing things together, sense of belonging, a sense of togetherness. And also, because of that, we, we are not very direct. Mm-hmm. We, we are beating around the bush to communicate something. But when I'm here in Canada, especially in the context of relating with uh, people here at Tyndale Seminary, directness is something that is expected, and yet it doesn't change our being friends. Okay. Because for a Filipino, I'm concerned that if I'm too direct with you, our friendship might be affected. Okay. But... In the Canadian context, I see directness is okay and we can still be friends. So directness, like you don't want to offend someone? Is yes. that what you Okay. Yes. Interesting. Directness in a sense, call the spade a spade. I noticed that in Chinese culture as well. Like it, it is definitely, I, I see that in the Chinese church, how we engage and how mm-hmm. young versus old dynamic and youngers are, oh, trying to be more blunt and yes. more direct. Just tell me what it is. And the older people are like, well, let's not say things too rashly. And, you know, <laughs> right. So I definitely could see some of that. Hmm. Now, one thing I do want to ask about, you know, I was doing a little research for this episode, and it was pretty fascinating. I learned a whole lot of things. But in regards to kind of Filipinos as a people group in Canada, according to my research, it was kind of like in the mid-60s that, you know, there were some that came over. But then in the 1970s, due to things like overpopulation, economic and political factors, Mm -hmm. like a couple hundred thousand started to immigrate here. Many who were well-educated and they had stable careers back in their country of origin. Yeah. And then, you know, in the, in the 90s, the Philippines, I think, ranked second among the top 10 source countries mm-hmm. of Canadian immigrants. And even in the last decades, they ranked first among, in terms of like birth country right. of all immigrants. Mm-hmm. And in a past census, you know, it was probably about 850,000 people in Canada right now. Yes. But this has only been within kind of last 45, 50 years. Mm-hmm. And so what does that mean for Filipinos as a people group to find their place in Canada, having been here, you know, kind of, you know, just under half a century? That, that's a very interesting trend that you're presenting. Maybe I'll begin with the 70s really became a very important crossroad for us as a country because that was in 1972, we were under martial law. And because of that context, people felt that it's better to find a, another place for us to find more stability politically. Okay. So that's one reason why in the 70s there was a surge. Mm-hmm. Economically, it's also a factor why people leave the country. But, but I think one of the things that even as a nation we have advocated is the concept of OFW. OFW is Overseas Filipino Workers. Hmm. That concept is even put at the level of heroism. We have the current day heroes in the Philippines, and they're called the OFWs. Sure. Because they somehow bring opportunities for families in the Philippines to be better because 
they have relatives who work abroad. Oh. So remittances from from the Middle East or from North America or from Europe keep coming back to the Philippines as a way to help our economy. Okay. Wow. So that's being encouraged by the government. Interesting. So instead of exporting products, our exports are human capital. Wow. <laughs> I never knew never that. Never heard of that mm-hmm. one. Yeah. My limited amount of exposure to that, you know, it was just hearing in Hong Kong, knowing that there are a number of Filipino workers, mm-hmm. you know, helping to be caregivers and such like that and sending money back. I think that was my only exposure. What about you, Shu? Yeah, well, that, that, that's usually the story, at least from, from mm-hmm. our cultural end, where oh, yeah, there's a lot of Filipino maids or whatnot, but then they're mm-hmm. saving up a lot of money, sending it back yeah. home. And then, but then they're like, oh, but w- we can't go back home until we've made a certain amount and then we can like really support right. you know, yeah. the family and stuff like yeah. that. But now the trend has been, th- that's still there, but, but we now see families right. immigrating. Right. Middle, upper middle context. That's why when I came here 11 years ago to do church planting, having been sent by our church from the Philippines here in Toronto, I would ask this question to immigrants, new immigrants who come here. And, and I ask the question, why do you come to Canada? Good question. You, you already have a very stable job. You are middle, upper middle management in your company. You're a person who has it made. Yeah. But why do you still come? And, and like a chorus, the answer would be, it's for our children. Right. Mm. It, right. It's always thinking of what's best for the children in the future. Mm. So, so the mindset is, in Canada, we'll be able to see that in a more consistent way. I just have a thought. Hopefully, it's not too much of a tangent. But I wonder, is there some kind of like North American dream that is mm-hmm. being like searched for and even like another because there's of course the influence of north america canada kind of western culture that's uh going back to all these other countries around the world and you know like youtube and all these the globalization of all these uh, of things that they just hear oh this is cool i want to come and see what this is like i want to you know get involved in this as i wonder if that's like so like a draw yeah 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 when you look at sociology or anthropology the factors why people migrate or immigrate is is because of the push and pull factors. Okay. So coming over here to Canada or North America is actually a pull factor. There is so much promise of that dream mm. that people want to be part of that dream. So it pulls, and there are some factors also locally from the countries of origin that push people out. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a reality too. When, we, when you're mentioning, John, about overpopulation in the thing, when I, when I visited uh, Manila for the first oh, yes. time, I, getting off the airport, I, I, I think my senses were like blown up for the first time. That, <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, wow, there's so many people. A lot of people So here. many animals. Oh, yeah. Traffic laws oh, yeah. are not really <laughs> obeyed going on there. What traffic laws? Yeah. Just it suggestions. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's discipline disorder. <laughs> sure. You, people expect that you will drive not according to what is expected. So they anticipate that you will do something unexpected. So <laughs> sure. even though there's a lot of heavy traffic, but you don't see so much big collisions and no, big accidents no, because wasn't. it's like anticipating that you will not do the right thing. <laughs> I will already do something in anticipation of that, so I, I'll avoid you. I'll anticipate for you not to do the, the wrong thing? Is that what's, <laughs> what's happening? Oh my goodness. Uh, you know what I think? 
we can definitely relate, you know, from a Chinese background, you know, like a lot of Chinese, well, Hong Kong Chinese, when they were thinking about like 1997 and what mm-hmm. that would look like and number of families choosing to leave Hong Kong and come to mm-hmm. Canada and North sure. America, they were kind of worried about the situation and where mm-hmm. it was going to lead. And, you know, looking at the current context of what Hong Kong is, that is, mm-hmm. you know, that is definitely something to consider. But one of the things I've always been so, like, so impressed with and so blown away with is the sacrifice of parents. Yes. And knowing that some come to Canada, knowing that, yes, we're doing this for kids and a better future for our family. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they're, and most of the Filipinos families that I've talked to, you know, they've had to give up the profession. Yeah. Right. They've had to come and then they come. And, and then when they're here in Canada, they take on, uh, you know, jobs that, you know, were not in their fields yes. or just anything to kind of make an income. And I, I don't know if like our, you know, the second or third generation culture having grown up here would yeah. ever do that. I mean, that's yeah. such a, you know, selfless act. Yes. Yeah. That, that's really a, common reality among our first-generation Filipino-Canadians. The sense of sacrifice is really so pronounced. Mm -hmm. The willingness to to get survival jobs, things that they wouldn't be doing well in the Philippines. Because even in the context of the Philippines, there would be some people who would be part of the household who will help. So there are helpers. But here, there's none. And, And they get jobs that can really sustain the family. And sometimes not just for survival, uh, purposes, but really just to really keep the family together. So the mm-hmm. sacrifice of the first generation is, is really very commendable. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, just to kind of continue to follow up on that, you know, do you feel that Filipino communities have really found their place in Canada? Have they felt welcome? Do they feel like they belong here? You talked about that value earlier mm-hmm. on. So do they feel that they belong as part of Canada? That's an important dimension of who we are to belong. And I think we are learning to adjust well. One of our characteristics as a nation is to truly really be flexible. We're, we're quick to adjust in, in situations. In fact, we have been described or we even describe ourselves as a bamboo. Okay. Where the wind blows, we follow where the wind blows. The wind blows to the right, we shift to the right. The wind blows to the left, we shift to the left. We are able to flex to sway, but we don't snap. We okay. bend. What, ah. But we don't crack or right. break. So that's why you probably don't see so much a Filipino town, as, just as there is a Chinatown or Korean town. Interesting. Because we can blend quickly. Yeah. Although because of the number of the 850,000 that you're mentioning in Canada, there are no more expressions of, or pockets of Filipinos gathering together. Right. Uh, in fact, I heard that we now have taste of manila at hmm. wilson and bathurst so so there are already hmm. places like that but generally we can adapt and adopt to every situation if you think of any country in the world there's probably a filipino there wow that's something i never knew about kind of filipino culture awesome all right you know we're kind of going to shift gears a little bit and you know what does it mean to be a filipino christian mm-hmm. what you know what does it mean to be part of a faith community as part of a Filipino church. Mm-hmm. And we're going to ask you a number of questions about this because, you know, it's something that we're kind of really learning from. But we know that there is a huge history with the Catholic mm-hmm. Church yes. in the Philippines. And so touch base upon that. You know, what, like, what does church mean for, for a Filipino? Mm-hmm. Great question. We, we are a very religious 
and spiritual culture. Because of the influence of the Catholics, we, we were under Spain for more than 300 years. So Catholicism was brought to us. And then even we were under the U.S. also for 50 years or more. And Protestantism also was brought to us. So for a Filipino, we don't have to struggle with the concept of the reality of God, mm-hmm. the veracity of the Bible, okay. or even the concept of the Trinity. Sure, It's already something we, we know, we have been taught. Mm-hmm. We have been told, and we don't question that reality too. So for a Filipino to be reached with the gospel, it's easier. It's, it's the idea that God exists. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in Jesus Christ. So it's easier for us. But I think the important dimension of being here in Canada is the relational piece of it, that we just don't proclaim, and then we expect you to understand right away. But there's okay. that relational piece that will bring to transformation, but not just individually. And I think that, what has, that is what has been taught to us, the individual nature of salvation and conversion. That's mm. important. But there has to be a sense of the community being transformed by that personal experience. And, and that is something that I think we need to keep learning wherever we are, and especially true here in Canada, that salvation and conversion leads to transformation in the context of community. Mm. And that's so interesting for you to mention that because earlier you were saying Filipinos are very communal people. Would you say they're tribalistic? Oh, yeah. It's a sense of community. In fact, we have terms that even here we, we bring. I'll give you a Filipino word that communicates that concept of community. It's called bayanihan. Bayanihan is when, when there is literally a house that has to be transferred. We actually have people in the community carry that house from one place to the other. That's, that's how we want to do things in a communal and community way. You guys must be super strong. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> just probably flexing their muscles there's into the Filipinos. Yes. Superhero. Yeah. <laughs> Filipino superhero. So, so the concept of doing things together is really natural. But, but it's possible that in, in this context of North America, we can just do things by ourselves mm. okay. because we need to do things to take care of our family and, and the focus will just be the family but there has to be more than right. just the family interesting that, that you're that you analyze it that way because what, what I've noticed with uh, some of the Filipino uh, friends that I have and, and especially I guess most of them are, are, are in churches and they're Christians they're really strong on the familial end mm-hmm. and sure. I guess what you're trying to say is that there's more than maybe even just cultural or blood mm-hmm. family, but how do we invite people into the family of God right, right. And, and a more communal, a wider view yeah. of that communal nature that's transforming to be, I guess, more kingdom. Yeah. And, and it's right. not just the sense of being familial by blood, because you're related to me and you're Filipino, uh, but other cultures, we, we can probably miss the Philippines and just like to talk in, in our languages. By the way, we don't have just one. We have about more than 90 languages. Okay. So if we find somebody who speaks the same language, that, that's a common bond, and that's natural. But there has to be more than just being comfortable in connecting with people who are of the same racial, ethnic, cultural background. The idea of family can even extend to discovering being family with people of different racial, ethnic, cultural background. Mm. I think that makes the Canadian reality 
extend to the Christian truth that we are blessed by God and He wants to bless all nations. Mm-hmm. Not just the Filipinos or the Chinese or the Koreans, but all nations. Wow, I'm just taking that in. I'm just kind of processing that. Yeah. <laughs> but the good thing about it is we begin with our identity. Sure. What do you call that term? We are comfortable under our skin. So we don't deny who we are. We don't put ourselves down, put other cultures higher than we are, or, or the reverse. Mm-hmm. But we need to learn how to connect with each other in a versatile way that makes us grow more together. You know, it's really interesting that you kind of bring this up, too, because earlier on you're saying it's easy for Filipinos to kind of blend into culture, too, mm-hmm. and to see how, you know, their understanding of their relationship with God in a communal sense mm-hmm. can translate into something like that. You know, that's something to kind of work through. I think, you know, that might not just be unique to Filipino culture. I think mm-hmm. that might be going across the board with Canadian Asians yeah. as a whole too, right? Sure. I mean, this is such an interesting context, mm-hmm. right? Especially we're in Toronto right now. It's multicultural. Right. And there are so many different pockets. There's so many different people groups. How do we blend in together? But at the same time, understand it in the context of, you know, how is God drawing us all together to yeah. be his people? There's even like when I'm thinking about this, there's there's two extremes that sometimes happens, at least I find. And it's that one side that's like, especially as a can, like being in Canada, being mm-hmm. Canadian, we live in this kind of quote unquote mosaic of yes. cultures. And it's, you can either easily be just staying within your pocket. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, we joke, I think we joke around in, in Markham. Pacific Mall, yeah. you can live in that area and not ever have right. to speak English. That's right. Mm-hmm. You don't you, have to you, learn. You don't have to learn anything. You just stick with your the, all the people who immigrated there, that culture. But then there's this other side where I think it's like, oh, let, let's talk about this multiculturalism that we're so well kind of connected as Canadians. It's all this multi, even inter-multiculturalism. But then it's who's dictating those terms? Mm-hmm. Is it really one that's under Christ, one, one that's seeing uh, these nations, the, the different cultures working together? But who's dictating the terms? Mm-hmm. Who, who, who has the power or yeah. explaining what that multiculturalism and how it should function and looks like? So I find that th- there's these two extremes yeah. and that I think the, the gospel way is different and needs to be worked out, needs to yeah. be thought through. But sure. just something that came to mind. That's real. It, it really happens. It's either you, you preserve your identity mm. from the country of origin and just keep it like that. And so you see that people don't see a need to learn another language or just to learn people and cultures. And that can even be transferred to the next generation. They just want to keep their generation and other generations are expected to keep that kind of culture. Mm-hmm. The other is it's I lose my identity. The other is I assimilate. So the preservation is the first. The second is I assimilate. Mm-hmm. Whatever is here, I just become right. that. I think the truth and the value both must be affirmed. But there has to be a sense that we, some, some people call it adhesive identity. I stick to what I feel is valuable in the culture that I want to preserve. Hmm. There's also something that I also choose and select in the host culture that is also valuable. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I, it's like an adhesive. I, sure. I stick to it because it's of value. So there has to be that negotiation like a dance that I need to keep growing and keeping the values of this culture and then the other cultures i see the values in other cultures and who dictates it's a power relation i think there has to be the sense that we are 
contributors to this identity together. There is no one magic bullet that says, okay, this is the way you're late. I'm the one who calls the shots. But it's a community that discovers this together. And, and the gospel, I think, is, is something that unites us. Hmm. Right. Our identity with Jesus is what unites all of us. The expressions of that identity different. But if he is the one who calls the shots, he's the power source. Yeah, because I, I find in the in our more now just add another layer. Yeah. We can keep adding layers, good. I guess. Mm-hmm. It's like an onion. Uh, <laughs> and right. then we'll be crying. Okay. But <laughs> like the postmodern layer that uh-huh. adds to that now, where the individual now is the arbiter of all those values. But we're not all postmodern, not by yeah. any long shot. There's other mm-hmm. people who are still coming from a Sure. A modern mindset, and they're maybe yeah. they're more collectivist kind of culture, mm-hmm. communal. Hey, we're going to decide these things together. So it's like a smash of all that stuff here, oh, I, yeah. I find. So oh, it's yeah. like it, it's we're kind of engaging people on those various levels of even how they, they do life. Yes. So it, that's what I, I don't know, that's something that came into my mind. That's also an interesting layer because it's something that we don't know how to figure out because of the changes, because of this new realities. The modern mindset talks about things being integrated, being in order, spick and span. Mm. But the postmodern doesn't have that mindset that everything is in order and everything <laughs> is spick and span. That's right, yeah. But, but it's okay. We can learn from both worlds mm. and be able to say, let's navigate this complexity together and, and realize that things have changed, people have changed, we have changed, and then discover how, how is that reality going to be transforming us, whether it's a modern, postmodern reality, how, how can we be transformed by the gospel, by Jesus, in this realities that seem to clash? We don't have it all figured yeah, out, no, but, no, but let's go We're all work in progress. Exactly. That's right. So what can you tell us about the Filipino church in Canada in terms of, are they still predominantly immigrant churches or are they like have been started by second generations? It's, it's vibrant. It, it is a community that brings God, the idea of spirituality, in a very fresh way. And, and so that's, I think, one of the things we give back as a thank you to the missionaries and to the mission agencies who have sacrificed their time, energy, life to help us know what it means to be on mission with God, to follow God. Mm-hmm. And now that we have been recipients of that blessing, we now can also bless the nation or nations mm. that have blessed us before. It's like paying forward. Okay. So for us, we see our being here as a way to say, let's add value to the spirituality, to the Christianity in this area. And so the vibrancy of Filipinos who especially come from a context that already accepts God, likes to talk about the Bible, and like to, to be part of serving God. So that's what we bring in here. Sure. So the vibrance, especially for first-generation Filipino-Canadians, it's, it's, it's there, the desire for God in community. Mm-hmm. But the struggle we have is, do we just keep it among the Filipino-Canadians? Okay, mm-hmm. sure. So the engagement is, how can we learn to also be reaching other cultures, our host culture? So that we are not just an asylum or an enclave to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the challenge. And, and I see that in the 1.5 second gen, maybe further along okay, in the third even gen. Further. <laughs> even further, yeah. That's, that's where we can see more openness to 
reach out intentionally, not just by process of marrying other cultures. <laughs> it's it's really an that's, intentional. That's how they way. used to do it in the old days. That's right. Intermarry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, like we were talking about, even in the when we were interviewing uh, Kevin, our our, our our Japanese friend, mm-hmm. as pastor in a Japanese church, that's one of the ways because there were so many intermarriages of mm-hmm. different cultures that they're able to to start seeing a more diversity oh, happen yes. within that. But of course, that that isn't going to be the only way. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, but that is one direct way to make it kind of, okay, now our even our blood uh, engagement <laughs> now is, is becoming yeah. part of that. But that's not, I think, the only way that Christ yeah. calls us to. It, it's yeah. a good place to really explore because that by itself talks about hybridity. Yeah. How can two different lives, two different cultures blend into a beautiful new entity and and explore more of that. And I think that brings a lot to participating on the mission of God together, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that has a bigger view than your own culture. Yeah. That has a bigger view that, you know, that we can all be God's people together, that there could be this mutuality, there can be this sense of learning from each other. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean, right? Like, yeah. I I think that's what most Asian immigrant churches struggle with mm-hmm. right? that it, yeah. it's yeah. it's that issue of we, we we don't know or i don't know if it's a faith issue either taking that risk of going beyond people that you're comfortable with the culture that you yeah. you've always known and but part of that is seeing how god works in in proclaiming the gospel in the holy spirit you know if i were to take a stretch into some some uh pentecostal directions but mm-hmm. it's like that God would give us the words to yeah. speak to to an, another culture group, another mm-hmm. uh, ethnicity, but at times it's just it's more comfortable growing this, you know, my own culture, church, yeah, my own thing, yeah. sure, yeah, and that's why there's a need to have a rethink of the theology that God wants to bless all nations. It's not just my nation, right? And then to be intentionally intercultural and to learn competencies that help me learn how to engage other cultures. Mm. I like the idea of, of diaspora. Diaspora, the sense of being scattered. Displaced. Displaced, yeah. dispersed. Mm-hmm. And, and we're part of that. And whether it's in the Filipino or Asian or other uh, diaspora context, it's like a progression that we need to think through. Like, I need to think through the idea of diaspora, of mission to the diaspora. Mm. There has to be an intention, especially for the Canadian church. It's a reality. It's not just the 850,000 Filipinos who are coming here, but other, other cultures are coming here. So there has to be an intentional way to engage the mission of God to the diaspora. Mm-hmm. But there has to be something else than that. There has to be mission through the diaspora that we can now mobilize the diaspora to reach their same diaspora. But the it doesn't end there. Mm. How can we have mission beyond the diaspora? Mm. Other diaspora groups or the established the host country, how can there be that reaching for Jesus in mission for the kingdom? Yeah, that's really huge. And I, I just want to ask you from your experiences as like a church planter, as a pastor, as, you know, a, as a leader in this context, you know, how has that perspective and mentality been received? Have you know, I think it's often faulted that pastors are more passionate about something than their mm-hmm. congregations usually. But have you felt that, you know, that kind of direction has been embraced by Filipino cultures? It's actually a struggle. Mm-hmm. It's an ongoing struggle. Even for me, when I arrived 11 years ago, I was picked up by a friend at Pearson 
And he knew I was here to, to plant churches. And the first thing he told me that really took me by surprise is, Pastor, you cannot plant a Filipino church in Toronto. And so, what a thing to what? say. I, I flew there's halfway. No, there's no welcome to Canada. Hey, guess what? You can't, you can't plant a Filipino church. Yeah, so I uprooted my family halfway around the world. We, we had our own church. Our church was thriving. And yet we had to leave because the sense that we, the Philippines is too small a place to fulfill the Great Commission in. So, so we were sent here. And that's the thing I hear. And so it really surprised me. And he, I asked, why? He said, well, it doesn't make sense to plant a Filipino church in one of the most multicultural cities of the world. Hmm. And so that challenged me and, and the group that we were starting with to engage in discernment. Lord, what kind of church do you want us to be in Canada? And, and after a sense of confirmation, after engaging and discerning, we, we came up with a 3M mindset that we will be missional. In the Philippines, we just proclaim the gospel. Everybody listens to the gospel. We will not be thrown out. But here, there has to be a way to earn a hearing. And the missional piece is that. And so we had to learn how to do mm-hmm. And the second is we have to be intentionally multicultural. I need to think beyond the Philippines. The Philippines is, the Filipinos are a good group to begin with. I am Filipino. But we have other Asian groups or other African groups, uh, other groups of, that God has brought together with us. And the third is we, we need to be metropolitan. People are flocking to the cities, the, the gateway cities, the urban centers. So we go where the people are going. So, so that's what we, at the beginning, said we'll seek to become missional, multicultural, and metropolitan. Wow, okay. And so that's what we seek to be when we plant churches. It's not always happening the way we wish. Because when I was asking for, where can I learn to be missional? Where can I learn to be multicultural? Finally, I learned that here at Tyndale, through the Tim Center, Tyndale Intercultural Ministry Center, we, we can be trained and learn how to do it. But the one who coached us, told me two important words you need to remember. If you want to be missional, you want to be multicultural. Two words. Don't forget it. Okay, I said what? First, hard. It's difficult. <laughs> Second, slow. Mm-hmm. It's going to take time. Sure. And I said, oh, I'm in trouble. Because I want <laughs> things easy in ministry. I want things fast in mission. But that's the reality. It's, that's, sure. But if you really want to engage and, and really gain roots in relationships and really find transformation, that's what it is. And that's what we discover. <laughs> it's so direct. Yeah. It's so direct. Yeah, it's right. It's very Canadian. And slow. <laughs> very Canadian. And you weren't offended, right? No, no. You were no. not. <laughs> because he was a friend. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Anyways, kind of, you know. I just think of it like for, for, for myself growing up as a Canadian-born Chinese mm-hmm. person in, you know, like, I've wrestled with that identity in uh, the, the ethnic church that I grew up in, and a lot of times that we were, of course, we're reaching out. Like I, I, I was, uh, I went to a church that was one of those Chinese first Chinese churches downtown that mm-hmm. reached out to Chinatown. But now Chinatown's not even really Chinatown anymore. Right, right. So it's just like, where is the mission field? Where, where? Mm-hmm. So it's not even to a diaspora anymore. The people I grew up with, they're not just hanging out with Chinese people. Mm-hmm. They're hanging out with, with their coworkers who are white, black, who yeah. are Hispanic. They're all these different groups. Uh, and they can't bring them to their home church or yeah. the church they're currently attending 
So what's been happening is that kind of silent. That's one of the reasons I would say not the only reason is what some of the silent exodus is happening to mm-hmm. go to church that you could possibly invite someone to. But I I agree with you, Neri, that there's still so much that uh, the Asian church, whether it's Filipino, Korean, mm-hmm. Chinese, whatever, is that can still offer. But it may not necessarily be in, let's invite people to a place where you see a few hundred of the same of us, mm-hmm. but maybe in smaller settings where it's like, I just want to hang out with my neighbor. Mm-hmm. I want to hang out with and invite someone into, you know, a smaller group with a few people. How do I show people the love of God, show mm-hmm. from, from other nations? And it's just figuring out those competencies and, and right. spaces and how do we create yeah. that? And it's been so hard because I still have a lot of friends, I will say, who are they grew up in a Chinese church. Mm-hmm. They went to their parents' fellowship or small group, and they grew up with other Chinese, uh, you know, kids. And then now they're all—they have kids now, and they would just want to perpetuate only, like, even if it's subconsciously, only with with Chinese yeah. people. And I think with the gospel that we preach, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of Jesus Christ, goes beyond. Yeah, sure. Just us. so it's just that's something that I've noticed. And I think that's a reality that's going to be more evident. I think you have touched an important note on creating third spaces. So it's not just going to the church where I grew from or the church of my parents. Or it's not just assimilating to an established church. Hmm. But be able to affirm that my identity, especially for a second generation person, maybe there's a third space that God wants me to be engaging, mm-hmm. not similar to the one that I grew up in, not exactly the same as the established church, but a third space that can make me explore with others mm. in similar situations what it means to be followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great word. And I think right now, especially, our culture kind of disrupts our notion, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, more and more, especially in this context of Toronto, where Different cultures are celebrated. And yeah, you talked earlier in this episode about taste of Manila, oh, yeah. right? Oh, you know, yeah. you celebrate other cultures, other food. Yeah. But in that sense, like, you know, how do we celebrate other people, groups, and culture, but also grow with them and yeah. learn with them? Sure. And so maybe even some of the stuff that's happening in culture and the way it's shifting is disrupting the way we think about church mm-hmm. and our traditions and our history of it too, yeah. right? And hopefully we will take heed to how the gospel breaks through mm-hmm. in all of that and to be understanding that. Because I think any, any you know, established church that's holding on to the way it was done when, you know, the church was first established, you know, mm-hmm. talked about kind of immigration issues as, as part of, of this podcast uh, and how like a lot of churches start because, you know, a lot of people who immigrated here were looking for people that were similar to them mm-hmm. and they kind of grew out of that, but that's no longer the case, yeah. right? It's a different context altogether. Sure. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, we can all be growing and learning yep. together with sure. each other. Thank you so much, Dr. Neri Santos. It's been a privilege to hear your stories and to learn from you. Based on, you know, all the things that we talked about, what would you want our listeners to really take away from the experiences you've shared? What is something that you really want them to hold onto and wrestle with you know, in regards to their own faith and to their, in regards to their own church, you know, what would you leave as an encouraging word? I think we need to continue to value the sense of family, our own natural family, the family of God, 
and then the other families of other cultures and, and ethnicities. So I think that's that's firm in the Bible, and and that will create and continue to engage one another in community if we treat each other as family. Mm-hmm. And the second is we we want to extend from our family to friends so that it's not just friends at work or at school or neighborhood, but we want people to be friends with Jesus. And and that's really why friendship means a lot when when we are in the company of friends, especially people who are going to be transformed friends of Jesus. So how do we engage family and friends to do this together? And here's one tip that is probably a takeaway. It's the third F, food. <laughs> family like to be around food. Friends like to be around food. That's the way we started. It's, it's Jollibee. Why don't you go to Jollibee together? Or, or Why don't we line up for two place? hours? <laughs> line right. up for two hours and we can just yeah. chat. <laughs> and it, it creates a sense that we belong... Because who do you eat with? With friends, with family. And, mm. and that's how we begin. That's how we go deeper in our relationships and hopefully discover that together we can discover Christ. Yes. yes. That's something to chew on. <laughs> you, you see what I did? Uh, chew? That's right. Yeah. This is no. how you know you're a pastor. I am getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. All right. Thank you guys so right. much for listening to our podcast. Hey, please remember to subscribe and rate our episodes. It really helps us to get this conversation out to more listeners. And please check out New Leaf, one of our partners who's doing a lot of work with church planting across Canada. We've got a lot of great resources. And, hey, and Tyndale. And Tyndale as well. All right. Hey, we're going to do a plug for Tyndale, you know? Yes. You know, Bernard Shu and I graduated from here. Dr. Neri Santos is teaching here right yes. now. Can I do a quick plug? There you go. Let's yeah. do it. We have a new program called New Generation Multicultural Church under the pastoral ministry context. And we invite you to, to enroll there. I'll be teaching two courses there. So hope you, you'll be part of it. Come and check that out. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. That sounds like a lot of things to kind of unpack, mm-hmm. which is great. All right. Hey, you know, you've been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and we hope you will join us on this journey. See you later. Peace.